0: all right welcome back to another episode of witty banter your hosts Nabil, daniel and anika are here and we're joined by our, our special guest Ashan shahid straight from the united kingdoms welcome to the program <laughs> and Hello. sorry to our listeners for the and our viewers t- for the delay we had some technical difficulties but uh we are live now um So let's see, how do we want to start today's conversation? Maybe, um, Afshan, if you want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, your current business endeavors um, and what what you do, for for those who don't know.
1: uh, Well, I'm a business entrepreneur, and I've been doing lots of little businesses throughout my life now and then. But uh, now recently, about five years ago, I started up a small boutique in London and I cater for the British, British Asian community. And I have uh, started doing my own manufacturing at the same time I'm training. So I've got two or three different things going on at one
2: time. Mm. So previously were you... You were purchasing from a manufacturer in Pakistan, or uh, what was the process previous to um, what you I,
1: have now? No, actually, I was having uh, I was buying uh, brand names, and also at the same time, I was having uh, shirts and trousers made by different tailors from different uh, cities, and uh, I realized that that was something that was more. Uh, selling more than the brands and it was less competitive because uh, I had my own set of clothes which people really liked and do you so I yes go ahead
0: sorry um, I was just gonna ask uh, do you sell uh, locally only or do you also sell uh, online
1: well I've got my website set up and it's I've sold through whatsapp and Facebook But now the new website is going to be selling uh, clothes for all over Europe particularly, but England definitely. And so that's where it's, uh, what you call it, industry is going anyway. It's all about online selling now, isn't it?
0: Right. And actually I'm curious. So I'm curious about what kind of, what your target market or target audience is. And I'm thinking of some analogy or similarity between like how... At least in the United Kingdom, how um, uh, Indian and South Asian cuisine is very popular, and I think there was some statistic that said uh, the t- chicken tikka masala is the most uh, famous oh. dish in the in the United Kingdom. Uh, and I'm curious, uh, have you noticed a an appeal uh, in your local region to like uh, South uh, Southeast Asian uh, fabrics and, and l- dress? The area in Luton,
2: oh, I was just going to say the area in Luton is Southeast Asian mostly, right? Or like the local population where you're um, stored? Yes, it is
1: basically. Yes, it is. It's uh, an immigrant area. And um, we have a lot of uh, Pakistanis and uh, Bangladeshi, Indians, uh, all over the world, wherever immigrants come from. And it's because it's close proximity to London. It's only about a half hour, 20 minute uh, train ride into central London. So it's very popular for a lot of people to live there. And uh, also, I mean, my target market is the British Asian community. And it's also a lot about modest wearing, but it's also the professional woman who's working in a multicultural environment. And they need to keep uh, hold of what. Their culture and religion or beliefs um, uh, allow them to wear, and so they're looking for clothes that make them feel comfortable, where you know wherever they are working. So I most most of my uh, clothes are uh, casual wear or formal wear, less of a wedding wear and the Bollywood style of clothing, mm. more of a sort of a mixture, a fusion between the East and West.
0: Mm. And
3: so I have a question. Mm-hmm um uh, tell us a bit about what interested you about clothes because on a personal level you're not you're not into clothing
1: it's not the clothing it was just because i'm a businesswoman and uh i was i kind of fell into it the i mean all women i i would imagine all women interested in clothes people generally like You know, wearing clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I like clothes. I hope they like wearing clothes. (laughs) And a nudist, nudist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a nudist. It's a necessity. It's just like food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got to have it. We've got to uh, buy it. The whole um, thing was that I needed, uh, because I knew that it's a market which I was, I mean, as a woman, i am always been interested in different type of clothes. And there's always a designing aspect of it as well. I like anything creative, or um, uh, but it has to be comfortable wearing. So that's, uh, I went into the, I did go into a bit of uh, health and beauty products as well and for a short time. And then I went and thought maybe clothes was a better option. And um, I saw there was a less, very few clothes uh, in that area which would cater for that market. They had to travel into London and we did have shops there, but there was sort of kind of, well, most of it was um, wedding wear and, events and festival mm. wear not the ones that you generally wear day-to-day wearing
2: and before you had yes. mm-hmm. oh, i was going to ask before you had the shop um were you um like renting out spaces for the day or what was like or did you just go straight straight to the shop from uh, I where you actually started
1: went straight into the shop I, oh, okay. I went into the market and i saw that there were that uh, there were clothes shops but they didn't weren't the clothes shops that Uh, we see generally in and around Pakistan. Mm. And I knew that generally the community would travel to Pakistan and go and do the shopping there and bring over clothes, which they were comfortable wearing. Mm -hmm. At the same time, When you go to Pakistan, the weather there is very different to what it is in the UK. We have a very long winter and a very short summer. And it's total opposite in Pakistan. So um, the clothing that was required was more of a warm clothing. Of course, there's the color differences and uh, what is worn in spring and summer is not necessarily worn in winter color-wise. So there were lots of things that I knew that there was a niche there which I could... um, uh, you know cater to,
4: mm.
0: and I'm curious about the design process. Um, I guess what is your design process? Do you just do uh, you sketch stuff out on paper? Do you use software? Um, or do you
2: have designers?
0: Yeah,
1: no, actually, my customers are my designers, mm. and uh, I'm very uh, proud of the fact that uh, it, it's the clothes are designed by women, so uh, made by women, sold by women. worn by women and uh, i'm very uh, much in favor of um, uh, picking up the designs as you were saying we uh, they come my customers come back and tell me what they like and what they would uh, want to wear and so i incorporate that it's not one single process i'm not the only designer i've got you know my the girls and who work for me or work with me they also uh, come back with, you know, this this style looks good, people were asking about this, and we have a very quick turnover. So quickly, quickly, we design, okay, this is going to, before the season ends or in the next season, we've got to get this going.
4: Mm.
1: And then, of course, once we take it into Pakistan, then the, Uh, the girls who do the embellishment who we work with who buy the material I discuss with all of them so it's not one single person designing those clothes it's a group of people right from the buyer to the manufacturer Mm.
2: interesting has has your sister uh ordered anything or which sister oh the one next to (laughs) you
1: actually I don't I Try not to get the family involved. Mm. Um, if they like it, of course, they're always welcome to buy it. Mm. But uh, it's, uh, uh, I mean, uh, if she wants something, she can easily buy it. But I think she is more I Western have, clothing. Actually. Yes, she has. <laughs> <laughs> but she nope. wears mostly Western clothing anyway. Right. And everybody wants to wear, especially in the working environment, they want to wear the clothes they feel comfortable in. Mm. So that's why if that's what she wa- if she wears it for just you know generally she's welcome to order as much as she wants <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: so, so I guess what I would like you to talk about mm. is your more recent endeavor in creating a training environment.
1: Yes, now, when I set up my business the uh, issue I had the biggest issue I had was um that I didn't have. Uh, the type of, uh, I set up actually a manufacturing unit. I call it my designing and manufacturing company. Mm. And most of the people I hired were men. And uh, when we started working on it, I wanted the women's aspect of it. And I wanted uh, women more involved. And for that, I started recruiting From the area and it was basically uh, a house which belonged, my father had built and was uh, totally left empty for years. So I redid the whole house and set it up as a vocational training school as well as a manufacturing unit. Mm. And it's all in-house training that goes on there. And uh, I uh, got about 20 plus girls to start off with where I started training them on how to actually embellish the products once the basic sewing had been done. And then I started training them how to use industrial machines. And as we went along, uh, we got them more and more involved. Now, at this point, I've got uh, uh, two uh, separate departments. One is for casual wear and one is for trousers, casual wear tops or shirts. And then we've got the embellishment we started off originally. This was about a year ago. But the, how I trained the girls, because I live in the UK and the girls are in Pakistan. And these girls are uh, semi-literate. I don't think they're studied more than the fifth grade. It's from three, third, year, third grade to fifth grade. Mm. A few of the girls are more educated. So I got them working in teams where they taught each other how to uh, a new type of skills uh, be it pattern making cutting and uh, work with beads making tassels uh, the all these things i would send them tutorials on youtube and then i'd make groups that you know groups of five girls will sit together and they would see just by looking at how they could um, work out how uh certain things had to be done in the project um, they would teach each other so we had one girl who would pick up who was quick to pick up and they just looked at what was happening they didn't have to actually read about it or study it right and so they f- just taught each other how to uh, use machines right. and how to use the overlocking machine and, and yeah. so on so i mean that's how we got the whole unit set up
0: and that's interesting that you mentioned the the YouTube videos because I, one, I feel that that's the kind of future of learning in general, but that's how I am teaching myself to program is YouTube uh, tutorials. Um, did you find, are they able to then, once they pick up some stuff on YouTube, do they start browsing YouTube now and kind of doing the uh, finding of different tutorials themselves?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. But hmm. well, now I just have to send pictures. And I said, tell them, give them words. And they copy the words uh, using computers. Now, these were village girls, girls who worked in fields uh, or were used as domestic um, servants to use in, in different houses. Hmm. And uh, I realized that uh, the girls I recruit, I know there's a very small amount of time because the culture there is such... That uh, by around about the age of ten or twelve, the girls are taken home from school, either because their parents can't afford to teach them, or they can't, um, they they want them to look after their brothers and sisters and do the housework, and so the parents, both the uh, uh, their mothers, can go out and work mm-hmm. in the fields. You because of poverty that they're stuck in such a sort of uh, way that they can't uh, they can't go on for further education. Now the uh, government schools uh, do good vocational training, but this they say you got to have a minimum of a matriculation, which is about a high school. Mm. These girls are not really educated in that level. So I got, um, I found out that I mean they're just as intelligent as anybody else. So they can learn skills and they can earn a living, and they usually around about the age of twenty, eighteen, twenty, uh, they will get married. And then they will, another circle will start where they will have kids and then after they've got four or five kids, they will need more money and then they don't know how to earn it. So in this way, they've learned how to, uh, uh, I mean, I've guided them through the fact that you can uh, learn using um, technology right. and at the same time, they've learned how to use machines And also, uh, the further in future, I'm thinking of getting them to set up their own businesses. And I've had people say to me, especially the men who work there, what's the point in teaching these girls? They're going to get married and move away to some other place. I said, I don't really mind as long as I've got workers coming in because every... Uh, semester if I have 20 girls coming in and I've got a list of hundreds of girls whose names have been put down I just cannot keep them in my um, I don't have the room or the capacity for Mm. keeping so many girls or teaching them right so I uh, limited it to about 20 girls uh, per three months and So once they train some of them maybe a third I will employ to work in my uh, factory a third of them will probably move on, get married, have their own, uh, work from home. And if they've got both things, the technology plus the skills, I think they can earn a living. They don't have to work in fields. They will start working uh, uh, from home and, you know, making whatever businesses, wherever they are. And also at the same time, the ones who working in industry can find out because the area that we are in Feslabad, that's the Manchester of, uh, Pakistan, where all the industry, textile industry so for up. the
3: American uh, audience, that means it's industrial. Yes, yeah. so like industrial area. It's like, And
0: <laughs> well, where Detroit used to be, anyway. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, not cars, but yeah.
0: And a quick, uh, we, they have. we received a live question here from a Selma to Fail. She asks, what is the age group of the women working in your organization? She you said
2: 18 to 20. Right?
0: Well, she mentioned that that's when yeah. they get married and have kids. Oh. So I would imagine the age group is, I don't no, know. No,
1: 15, uh, 12. I, I mean, I, I employ anybody 12 upwards. 12 so, upwards. But majority of the girls so far are roughly about 15 to 18. And so they're learning skills. And then, of course, I'll employ them once they've learned what, you know, I, I see if they're capable of. Uh, using machines and uh, and of course using as a designing aspect of it, it's not just uh, machines are using. Because uh, when we uh, make a garment, we discuss it. What you know, what do you think? How it should be embellished? You should I put laces on, beads on, uh, mirrors on, and what type of tassels do you think? What colours would look nice? And I've given them the freedom to select a uh, different type of embellishment uh, material. And also at the same time, in between, they make fabric flowers. So they can carry on uh, making things and learning things. And then we say, okay, now we can use that skill to complete this garment. Mm.
0: Uh, So, oh, go ahead.
1: Sorry. You've also been working with um,
3: public education systems to to connect in some way.
1: Yes, uh, I've actually... uh, uh, met up with quite a few different people in and around Pakistan uh, to basically help me support uh, uh, my ongoing sort of uh, procedures. But I've realized that um, there are plenty of vocational training schools around in Pakistan, and uh, there's a mixture of them for men and for women and different type of uh, education. But I think that because I'm targeting at these girls who are totally... Uh, uneducated it's a different way of uh, teaching them which is not the normal uh, the government way hmm. government colleges and schools are teaching
0: H- how long have you would you say um, well actually before I ask my question we have another question from mm-hmm. Salma to here what is your source of funds for the training of these young girls do they get an allowance
1: Yes, they get a they get a pay which is double of what they would be earning in a field. And I pay them for that learning because I know I realise that unless they do get that money coming in, they're mm-hmm. not going to be learning because it's the it's because of poverty that they're working in fields or working in houses. So when I uh, employ them, I say to them, as you're learning, this is your basic pay, and it is more than what they would be getting, usually double of what they're getting. After that, uh, when I employ them, of course, they pay raises and um, they get what does the market uh, pay that you get in that period.
0: Actually, that's interesting. I just made some connection. Maybe this is an already thought of idea, but in previous podcasts, we've talked about a universal, universal basic income, um, and you've kind of established a basic income, but only if obviously you're learning with you. I wonder if that could be something um, on a more macro level. If that's how so societies could accomplish the basic income, is by attaching it to something like education. Okay, you want a basic basic income, well, you have to go like do this, that, and the other thing. Um, what are your Any thoughts on that? And this is just an open.
2: I think they already have that in in Germany, or like. They pay. The North, they pay you to learn. Like oh. to go, go to, to school. high school and yeah, interesting. Um, so I think that's already the case in some areas, but I don't know. Yeah. I have to double check that.
0: <laughs> and then yes,
1: but they do have they do have apprenticeship here in the UK as well. But then again, it's when you've done your say your O levels or A levels. It's yeah. not for the totally uneducated. and That's the reason why. Um, in the underdeveloped countries, there's so much poverty it's because so much stress is made on the education as academic education that um, though it's absolutely necessary, but when you're uh, hungry and you're starving, it's not. It's it's money that you want for, you know, food and clothes, which you want immediately, not, you know, when you've done your 15, 20 years of education. So if they were paid... Um, uh, as they were being educated, I think we would get more uh, children in schools.
4: Mm.
0: How long have you um, been working towards uh, your uh, this? Uh, I guess uh, business. How many How many years would you say? Like when did you start? Well, I've been
1: doing businesses all yeah, throughout my I think uh, last twenty thirty years. There's something I'm doing. Been doing something throughout. I okay. Will, yeah, some projects, but this project, uh, five years ago, I started mm. and the vocational training school I set up a year ago.
0: Gotcha. And what, um, during that five year process, what are some, uh, characteristics that you would say are necessary to keep going? Cause I'm sure there's many times where it's like, Oh no, like I'm, i I'm, maybe this isn't going to work or, um, you know, things weren't turning out the way you expected them. What were, uh, what were some ways you kind of pushed forward or maybe pivoted, um, to continue to continue with your business?
1: Well, I think, uh, of course the younger generation, definitely because there's more of a sort of push with the younger generation. They're more enthusiastic about what they want to do. Um, I think getting involved with youth is extremely important. And, um, uh, in all aspects, even when I'm working here in England, I've got young people working with me and I uh, have got them sort of uh, getting them involved in whatever I'm doing. And I always say that it's a teamwork. It's not one person. I, there's no way I can complete what I'm doing without the team of people that are working with me, be it the sales, be it my uh, manufacturers, uh, be it whatever. I mean, it's, we work as a team. There's no seniority or, you know, they're junior or senior. It's everybody's equal. They've got to learn to do things, and we do it all together. I mean, if the floor is sweeping, I will fl- clean it. I won't tell somebody else to do it. And I always say that, even in wherever they are, that if you see something needs doing, and you can see it needs doing, please involve yourself. So mm-hmm. it's not... Uh, when, I, when we uh, started up the vocational training school, it was to do... It's your... It's what... You know, it's your school. It's for you that I'm doing it. And it's not me doing it. You've got to do it together. You've got to work out what things work and what don't work. And um, and so it's kind of it's like because of the whole team working, um, it doesn't seem as if it's a chore and you're not ordered around what to do. We never order around what to do. But yes, people who are lazy and not doing, they're not one of our team we very easily and quickly sift out the people we know are just wasting our time.
0: Interesting.
2: I heard someone recently uh, online talk about like millennials working and he likes them because it's very easy to determine whether they're, you know, there to work hard or they're very motivated because they're they're honest about it. Just Yeah, right away he he says like they're they're the easiest to work with because they're, so easy to read oh, blatantly like, if like they're, they're lazy they're, it's very blatant. yeah <laughs> and if they're they're not obviously they're very motivated to work um
0: yeah i guess i would be um, i would be well i guess in my previous jobs um i try to be very upfront about like you know what i'm up to within my role instead of like maybe i don't know some other people might kind of uh paint a fancier picture of what they're up to you know when your your boss asks hey so how's this this and that going yeah yeah um sometimes you might say the oh, way you explain it is like yeah. more grander <laughs> than like what it actually is um yeah i guess i try and make sure even if it's something simple and it's that answer would make it seem like oh i didn't it didn't uh, seem like i put a lot of effort and i'm just trying to
2: yeah i feel of, like that's kind of hard to bs because yeah i would be the same way it's like if I feel like there's things out of my control or I'm not working as uh, well as I could be, mm-hmm. um, I try to be self-aware with my manager and say, like, okay, these are my weak points. Or if I think I'm actually doing well, then I'll highlight that in whatever review we have. Um,
3: so are millennials changing the workplace as in soft skills? Mm. And And maybe the question for our guest is, is uh, do her young trainees act in the same way as um, millennials in, in, the developing, in the developed world?
1: Yes, I think they do. If you, if, uh, like N- Nabil was just saying, that if you're aware of your weaknesses and your strengths and you've got a task to do, you know what you can do and what you can't do. So, um, I think it's uh, the girls who I'm working with know definitely that who's good at what. And uh, as I said before, that when somebody's better at something, they teach the person if they want to learn. If they don't want to learn, I mean, there's one example of a girl who wasn't very good at sewing or anything like that, which is very good at tidying up and ironing. So she had the ironing job to do. So she would, you know, she didn't mind doing that. And I said, you know, so but she won't finish her what work she's doing. She's not interested in the beadwork or whatever we're trying to tell her to do so she knew that she didn't like doing it and i talked to her and i said why and she said she wanted to tidy up she's good at packing she's good at labeling she's good at ironing and we need one of those so kind of if you find your own jobs and what you can do you can do it and i think that's what the new generation is very um expert about they know themselves i'm pretty sure they do
0: right maybe the and also the the how would you say? The labels you put on a job position are a bit more vague, but in a good way, in that uh, the worker can, as you mentioned, if they know their strength, they can go apply that elsewhere. Whereas maybe traditionally, if you say, oh, this is my job title and I only do this thing, yeah. maybe that's uh, changing um, for the better, anyway. Any, no,
1: go- no, we, we, as I said, we work as a team. Like if there's a model, there's a girl who's a model, but we have lots of other girls who will show her how to model. So no. <laughs> without, without saying it. And then there's a girl who's good at photography, but then when she shows her pictures and images, what she's taken, and people will look around and, you know, find out what's not right in it and what pose would have been better or the lighting, colouring. So we kind of work together. And uh, I do have titles for jobs because everybody needs a title one person has to be the responsible one mm-hmm. but as i said we, we give them titles but it doesn't mean that the boundaries finish there right. they can you know if, if if somebody's uh doing say the inventory management they will also do the packing when it comes to a rushed uh, um, uh timeline you know when it's we've got a cargo shipment going out and there's the the, the they're not enough girls finishing off the Um, finishing of any garment then we get all the girls involved in it and say forget about the trousers let's get this uh, consignment out before you get on the trousers so i mean everybody knows their boundaries
0: right
2: google has been implementing something similar where it's like when when someone goes on leave like maternity leave or i don't know they take a sabbatical or something like that they uh someone could apply for that position at Google to see how that position is for three months or six months or however mm, money, interesting. just to see if that's something they're more interested in or like kind of cross movement within the company. Right.
0: It's actually funny that you mentioned the, um or the way you're describing the whole uh, shipping out and maybe you have a rush shipment. Cause it very much reminded me of uh, my previous job um, where we were a server manufacturer and and I was part of the operations team and then, that kind of the the what do you would you say the timeline or the the chain is very similar it's we have a product now we're shipping it and oh these shipments uh are going to be delayed because of transit we need to expedite the shipping to meet the customer's expectations so mm-hmm. um i just thought it was interesting that it sounded very similar mm-hmm. to my ear <laughs> um,
2: it's always good to give the longer day it's like three to five days. It'll take five days. <laughs> oh, oh, setting cut. Yeah. yeah, setting ETAs. Yeah, yeah, you should ask me. I'm,
0: a, I'm the buffer king. <laughs>
2: it'll take anywhere between a week to a month. So a if month. It, Yeah,
0: <laughs> my internal team says one week. Yeah, it's going to take one month. <laughs> um,
2: no, no, I do
1: have. I, I mean, uh, they're uh, flexible enough that uh, when I go, and I usually go and spend a month in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And when I go and we set up the next uh, season's production, so we've got to work. Say, for example, I've got a spring. Uh, I'd about doing winter. I went over and I need. I knew I needed this um, uh, spring collection completed. So when we're doing that, then they work double the time. And when they work double, we have a good time. I give them lots of nice things to eat. We have a party and we work as well. And mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday, usually we have a Friday and Sunday off. But then when it's, when I'm there that month, nobody has any time off. So um, they kind of uh, try and keep with it because fashion industry is such that timing is extremely important. Before the spring comes in, we've got to get the spring uh, collection uh, on the racks. It's got to be there uh in the shop and mm. so uh before the season starts so they know it's a rush timing and with their, most things but particularly this it's a very seasonal uh business like mm. fruit and vegetables mm. it, it runs out very quickly i mean if it's not there you're not going to get enough sales and if you're not going to get enough sales next year it will be out of fashion anyway
0: right so i've noticed something interesting with um the way companies uh, market today so as this is a podcast, I listen to a bunch of other podcasts, and a lot of companies will um, will market or advertise their products through podcasts. So presumably, they they contact the the podcast who has x amount of listeners, and they say, "Hey, I'd like to um, I'd like for you to plug my product in the beginning of your program, um, and it costs x amount of dollars." Um, have you looked into or are you uh, kind of taking advantage of any sort of internet marketing things or are, are affiliate you affiliate marketing do customers. you think does that interest you do you think that would be an effective way to uh, you know increase sales especially you, you mentioned it was seasonal maybe that could be something where uh, I don't know you well,
1: definitely definitely um, once my website is up and running because we're uh, going to be Uh, selling from three different areas. Now, seeing the way uh, we have sold, I mean, I'm particularly focusing from the British Asian community in that area. But if you go around uh, England, uh, UK, or you're in Europe, I have a lot of European customers who come in. But they come in because they're looking for that type of clothing. Mm. In the pipeline at the moment, I've got different uh, websites set up for different. There's a different website for USA. There's a different one for the UK and a different one for Europe and a different one for Pakistan. Because of the seasons, plus the clothing is slightly different in each area. And uh, we definitely need marketing through the social media and through uh, different forms of, say, podcast. There's a blog that I write, Afshi's blog. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I've got that going. And it's, uh, uh, you know, everything, there's still a lot of work to be done. It's, I mean, right at the beginning stages of everything. So, yes, marketing online is uh, definite.
2: I'm sure you get a lot of, most of businesses, word of mouth maybe, from previous customers referring to their friends and family or, do you see that a lot? Yes
1: yeah actually that's how it goes i mean uh when it comes to clothes it's got to be uh, uh when people see them wearing it mm-hmm. when you go they wear it at functions wear it out uh just today i had a customer coming and she went to canada to meet her. she had went to some you know family and she was saying all oh, the all the clothes i was wearing and they're saying "When are you going to send it over you know when is it be available on this side of the world mm-hmm. and um uh, when people when they, when our customers wear them, um, they get uh, questions. But there is a slightly something about clothing that some people don't want to tell where they bought it because mm. they feel that they'll be copied. So <laughs> I have to be very <laughs> I have to be very particular that I don't make more than twelve items per design or style, mm. so that there's no such thing as uniform. It's all I don't make a large quantity so hmm. that is one of my marketing uh, actually that's a hmm.
0: really good idea I think because um, it kind of well it reminds me of this website called mass drop and what they do is they reach out to manufacturers uh, typically for uh, electronic goods but they do other things and they'll reach out to the manufacturers and say hey um, well actually b- before they reach out to manufacturers they kind of uh, ask their community online like hey what are some products that you'd be interested in that maybe aren't for sale i don't know how they know about them beforehand but anyway Mm -hmm. they'll they'll gather that kind of interest and then they'll reach out to the manufacturers and say hey um we have these many people kind of uh ready to buy can you manufacture x amount of product um and then so they they have these regular sales that happen where they know generally how many people are going to buy it and maybe they'll order a bit more but it, it, you know, it's a limited time thing, and they do not regu—they—they they won't sell it again uh, necessarily. Um, but yeah, you, you there is something to uh, what would Customized you say? Yeah, or li- limited limited supply. Limited. That yes,
1: limited. It's very limited.
0: Adds some sort of value, just like how our podcast—we like uh, small. We're a niche community, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> our value, value increases viewers. as the viewers decrease. <laughs> we cap at
2: hundred
3: viewers. <laughs> but once I think it gets it's 100%. also. <laughs> Supposed to be environmentally responsible to have limited production.
0: Yeah, that's probably to true. To avoid waste, o- only make yes, the, what have, is needed.
1: Yes, we have less waste. I mean, uh, we make sure that uh, because of again, it's uh, seasonal, um, and it does take its uh, very sort of uh, short amount of time to be making products. And uh, financially, it's more difficult to. Um, uh, Make smaller quantities because you can't keep the price low with smaller quantities. But then that it saves a lot of wastage. I don't have a lot of wastage, so I don't have uh, any outlets, and like big companies do have because they need the outlets to get rid of the stuff which they've got mm. left over.
0: Do you use um, uh, Ali? Is it AliExpress or? Alibaba. There's, well, there's a specific site on that. Their website where they sell just like industrial goods, or I don't know if that's just for, for everything, but um, uh, I'm
2: assuming not a few. It's like more boutique
0: because those are maybe are more. But fun. I'm curious if you if there's like a one stop shop where you get kind of industrial grade um, machines for sewing or something oh. like that, because I know like if you did a Google search on these kind of machines, obviously these aren't consumer products, so there isn't a lot of information out there. Sometimes um, mm-hmm. I'm curious if there's sort of ways you are able to research, um, you know, industrial grade machines that you need for your business.
3: And this is, I know, very, an exciting part of your job. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I've actually bought, um, I started off very small and uh, I bought secondhand machines Mm -hmm. and then I started buying new ones. Uh, Not that I had any problems with secondhand ones, it's just because of the finances I had to get the secondhand ones first. Um, But <clears throat> what I've realized is that there they are machines which sometimes are totally unnecessary. I was looking for a bead attaching It's something that you attach with staples onto clothes mm. and um it was it's a uh, automatic machine from China it was costing a lot of money so I went into Pakistan i looked tried to find out there that there was a one which is a manual one because my production is not that much and um we actually, in the end, uh, had a machine which we redid. And it was a button-making machine, which we, uh, we, you know, had little parts that we redid. And we. I was very excited about that machine. <laughs> because because we kind of made it ourselves. Okay. And um, we used Have things like... Have you patented it? No, we haven't patented <laughs> it yet. But we used, like, you know, pipes from the gas, uh, you know, hose, hose pipes... And things like that to work out which uh, uh, which should be put onto the machine to uh, hold the beads and so on. So mm-hmm. we kind of manufactured that ourselves, and we've got about three machines which we are working with at the moment. And they worked out financially; they were good, they were cheap. We I keep looking on machines, and I I go through all type of different um, websites where they're auctioning machines because I'm looking for an embroidery machine at the moment. Uh, Um, And I'll see. I mean, we can get them in Pakistan as well. So, I mean, Mm. uh, I do look through websites to see what what is available. Mm. But it's not necessarily I'll buy it. I just want to see what's going on at the moment around the world.
2: I saw a coffee machine on Craigslist. And it was... I forget how much. I think it was like eight thousand or ten thousand. Holy moly! And but like it's the people had it advertised like, oh, you know, we made this and we've won like a few awards mm-hmm. for it. Um, and it looked pretty good. Uh, but then kind of I don't machine? what. It was a roast uh roaster. Um, so but the funny thing was I went on Alibaba or AliExpress. And that same machine popped up for like two thousand, oh, wow. three thousand from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> like wow, these guys like it literally the same exact description too. They just like copied and pasted it on, but onto uh, Craigslist, which is like uh, local sales in America. I think they or have they, Craigslist do they have it in, it in UK, UK. I
0: think. I'm not sure. Maybe not. Alibaba. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, Craigslist.
1: Alibaba. Yes, we have Alibaba and we have Craigslist. Oh, they do. Okay. And okay. we have Gum gum tree, and then you've got uh, there are lots of websites like that. You've got the auction websites as well. Right, right, right. I'm Um, I'm looking at them all the time. But then we've got the ones which are uh, in this area. We've got um, on uh, Facebook. We've got people have set up their sort of area-wise. In this area, this is available. hmm. A lot of free things as well. But because my manufacturing is all in Pakistan, it's not. I mean, I look for information on these websites, but I would never buy it and take it across.
0: Mm. I see.
3: So we talked about millennials, um, mm-hmm. but we now at the in this podcast have have kind of a generational gap. Oh, yeah. What do you think about <laughs> our generation and what technology has added or subtracted? From our abilities to be creative and professional.
0: Um. Well, I like to think that I don't think. Um, I don't think there's any difference in the like just because you're from some previous generation. Uh, that like you are any different. Um, the t- technology. We
3: just saw the SNL skit on alexa for the silver years you should see it okay
0: yeah i mean there might be ways in which like uh well for a younger generation you know who grew up with technology maybe you know things might come more easily in, in a sense but um
2: well i will say like one thing that it helped do is kind of give more exposure to those with maybe more experience and as well as made the ability to reinvent your career more easily. Um, Like where I feel like the previous model was maybe, you know, like you were saying, stick with one job and you kind of work your way up. The internet allowed, uh, well, I guess all generations to shift their career path or business path Mm -hmm. uh, maybe more easily. Um, because they have the ability to learn things through YouTube and uh, just websites in general. So I would say, one, it created that aspect of job mobility, but also it allowed more experienced people um, to show their work.
0: Yeah, but I think across generations, um, as long as you have a willing mind to uh, use and learn technology for your benefit, then, I mean, theoretically, it should be... uh, the same across
3: what, i wonder what our guest thinks in her span of her exp- experience and you've always been involved with technology yes i mm.
1: i it's always fascinated me is it really depends on who wants to learn i think if you're a continuous learner uh technology uh, you can't do without it mm. and uh with i mean for the millennials it's a sort of a they've been brought up with it so they continue using it as if it's like like we use pencil and paper mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know I would say that uh, it depends on person to person I don't think it's generation to generation mm.
2: i agree do you, do you think entrepreneurship became easier or do you think it became harder because now you have more competition or do you think it's pretty much I the same it's, as it's been I <clears throat>
1: I think it's much easier i think it's much easier with the technology also you get more ideas because it's opened up so many windows to different different worlds and uh, I, I know that i can't survive without you know in the internet i feel as if once the internet goes down i'm starting it usually happens in pakistan where there's no electricity <laughs> and then you think oh, look for something you know and then you've got these gadgets which i keep you in contact with the rest of the world. Yeah. But it's. Uh, I don't think we can do with that. In the Internet, Of definitely, there's a big uh, uh, advantage with that. It's uh, be it entrepreneurs or whatever work you're doing. I, I don't think it's just as an entrepreneur. As any form of work, be it education, be it whatever. You can't kind of survive management, uh, any type of management, administration work, communication.
3: So... Have any of the young women that you worked worked with, uh, given their perspective on the use of technology, were they using it before? Uh, the, I tell
1: you them? what, they, uh, quite a few of them were, you had phones. Now, if you can use a mobile phone, you kind of more or less have got into that... Uh, uh, where you can get the technology and the girls who were using phones have uh, got other girls interested in it and now they've got the pocket money or they've got the money they've got together and I found it really interesting how these girls uh, don't take the you know collect all the money that we're we, we saving up money to buy an industrial machine or we're saving up money to buy a new mobile phone and I asked them I said oh, what do you know saving your money for and they have this system where they you know, a committee system. And I was surprised at what they were spending on. But what they see in their workplace is what usually they want because they know that what advantages is getting them. So once you've got a phone, you've connected to the internet, you've got a connection to the rest of the world, you can look up whatever design or style you want Mm -hmm. or whatever information you need, you've got it there.
0: Yeah. So
3: some of our niche viewers <laughs> mm-hmm. will not know what the committee system is.
1: The committee system is like uh, you take a loan from a bank. Now, this is very common in Pakistan. I think it's a common in most of the Asian countries where a group of people, say, be it uh, housewives or working, they... Uh, Put a certain amount of money together say for example, you've got say a hundred dollars and the ten people so one month um, You've got a thousand dollars which one of the Person will use to buy whatever expensive thing they want to buy but they for ten months will carry on paying a hundred dollars now This is without any um, uh, Interest so you are kind of taking a loan from each other without Mm -hmm. paying any interest
0: and that gives you a chance to buy some big ticket item, um, which will hopefully yes, well, spin yes, off. So into, you
1: wouldn't probably be able to buy. You're paying for it yourself, but you've got the money together right. and it works. I mean, people in shopkeepers de- definitely all over uh, Pakistan, they work on that because they, they're very cash strapped when you're trying to buy uh, your wholesale stuff. So they in, in businesses, they do it in large quantities. Now, I was just saying a small amount, but it's like thousands of dollars or pounds or rupees whatever currency you would like to say they uh, use the committee system to buy stock Mm. and so they're paying for it every month or every day sometimes you have a daily committee system as well
0: gotcha we have a question here (laughs) sorry from selma to fail again which aspect of your business has required you to be most creative
1: Uh, i think the management side of it all Mm. I and that is where uh, I mean, I've always liked any form of design creativeness in the sewing and the, you know, any type of artwork. But it's I think the actual running of the business, the operations, the management, uh, what type of software I need, how I can implement it, how I can use it uh, for advantage. I think that's where I would say. I spend most of my time the creative time on into it so you've got to make it interesting as well Uh, at the same time marketing marketing aspect of it is also very creative
0: and do you enjoy um, for me when I'm programming let's say or at least thinking about it I like uh, being consumed by the ideas that I get uh, about what I'm gonna do next when I when I'm not thinking about it or when there's a void i i'm bored basically and nothing for my mind to consume do you enjoy like and as an entrepreneur sometimes yes and as an entrepreneur you have to constantly think about it sometimes just to make sure you're always on the right track and going the right direction do you enjoy the being consumed by your it might be genetic yeah maybe (laughs) do you you enjoy the consumption (laughs)
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I dream a lot about what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> what, I'm, yeah, I, what I'm going to be doing and how I'm going to get the things working. And um, I mean, it's always about new projects. Right. It's all about new projects.
0: And Ma Anika, you were going to ask something before I...
1: I was
3: actually. I was going to talk about um, how in African countries, they started using phones for instead of... Uh, currency and so i'm wondering is there a trend in pakistan what do you mean by that they trade in china Uh, what i mean is they're using venmo Uh, maybe daniel can elaborate
2: like uh they you instead of using actual cash they're using their phones to transfer money Uh, and make payments right are they doing that kind of thing in pakistan where they're primarily using their mobile phone
1: they are, they are using it definitely for money, for banking, for everything. I mean, for paying bills. For, um, uh, recently, I said to my uh, the, the manager that, you know, electricity bill, and I, I was imagining like it was about five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, where you had to stand in a line to pay the bills. And he came back and said, oh, I paid the bill. And I said, how did you do it? He said, through my uh, mobile and I, I was kind of, oh, that's new. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised <laughs> that it was possible. But yes, he was he paid the electricity bill. Well. So, um, yes, it's being used for a lot of, I mean, it's not just for communication or uh, internet or whatever. They're also for practical, you know, paying money. So, are
3: there any financial apps that are being, like Venmo or something, or. or where there's money exchange,
1: mob, uh, mobile link. Yes, there is. So
0: my in my previous job, my um, previous manager was uh, from China and I forget which region, but uh, she was mentioning that um, you know your fruit vendors and people off the street are now if as long as they have a mobile phone, they can be they have a their own cash register where they can e- more easily accept payment. Um, they have the Ali.
2: I think it's an Alibaba. <laughs> it's another Alibaba app, yeah. Thing. app. Yeah.
0: So I imagine that's similar in other developing countries like oh. Pakistan. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Yes, uh, they can, and people do. They, uh, a lot of them s- send money throughout using apps to send money to each other, and then same as uh, what you call it, uh, buying tickets uh, to go, when you're traveling. Getting the Uber, there's a cream system there. Right. there uh, there's a lot of progress using the mobile phone, definitely. With oh, the
2: rickshaws as well, I think they have.
0: Like, rickshaws? An, yeah. <laughs> we need to get more fuel-efficient rickshaws and less pollutant ones. <laughs> 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 Electric ones, that would be cool. <laughs> uh, so it looks like we have about five minutes here. Um, so if there's anything else on anyone's mind. Um,
2: Are we going to feel- end it? You feel don't have free. to fill No, we fill need them. to fill the
0: hour. we do
3: have next week's an what? announcement. What's next yes, week's announcement? Yes,
1: who's announced? coming next week?
3: Well, we don't have anyone coming next week. A chapter from my book will be read at the San Jose Museum of Art. And so we'll be... Um, we'll try and... Um, live stream it yeah there. well Oof.
0: and again that probably <laughs> won't happen because I, I don't have the data plan to support that kind of bandwidth but <laughs> well, maybe they have wi-fi uh, yeah if, well if, we'll yeah, have a recording depends but yeah we'll have a recording for sure Oh, you that's a
2: true. You do a
1: recording. Yes. yes you can take a, book, a recording and show it can't you yeah yeah,
0: yeah. that's true so that's no, happening work something out. that's happening next week sunday is that, that
1: right? is
3: happening next week sunday and, okay. and we're looking, we're looking, we're reaching out to other guests. Yes. Can you can tell what,
1: what exactly, what's going to happen during the uh, whole presentation? Whatever, oh, a sort museum? of an outline, yes, of what? Uh,
3: there are 14 other be? writers,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and their work will be presented in a dramatic form. And my chapter, The Shrine of Sain will be presented at Um, in a dramatic form
0: we will be looking out for that and we
3: should have some um, witty banter t-shirts there
0: yes so if you're in the area uh, feel free to come by and you can get a free t-shirt from us Uh, and if you're not in the area fly in Uh, it's worth it (laughs) Um, we have a book bag (laughs) any uh, um, social media plugs or websites that you would like our viewers to um, check you out and i can include them in the description of this video if if you don't have them on the top of your this head is right question
1: now question for you yes uh, design uh, style uh, pattern making no but which video which i meant websites?
0: like uh, like what's your website url uh, do you have an instagram account house, that people can house go
1: house of house of subani house, house of subani at, .com dot .com and okay we've got, yes lylpurkotor.com So those two websites we've got. One is a brand. Mm -hmm. Line is a brand which we are uh, at the moment uh, selling. And House of Subani is a manufacturing and uh, designing.
0: Gotcha. I'll have to get the exact um, spelling of at least the second uh, URL, but I can do that uh, Mm. off the air. And I'll include Mm -hmm. it in the video description. Um, Okay, well, if that is all... um, Then thank you, viewers and listeners. Uh, And until next time, toodaloo.
4: Bye. 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 Bye.